we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. This is the series that never ends. The part three of our two-part year-in-preview uh, opening series where we're talking about the potential prestige pictures of 2022 to come down the pipeline. This was supposed to be a two-part series we thought might go on, might be beyond two parts. It turns out it's going to be at least three parts because we're going studio by studio covering the biggest movies to come on the calendar. I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host also, Mike, to introduce a third co-host helping us out with this episode today. Yeah, silver lining of uh, making a three-part, two-parter uh, is that we could get a guest on who's an expert at uh, at on the subject matter. Yeah. We got our Netflix guy here, Andrew Morgan of the Nomcast, at Jokes on Drew. Andrew, welcome back, and uh, how you been, man? Sorry, Woody Harrelson, but the real triangle of sadness is back. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me on, as always, guys. Love being on with you guys, even though this doc that you have is insanely long and grueling. I think Mike just started that beard from episode one. <laughs> the funny part is, this was all one doc to begin with, and it's like it ballooned to about forty pages or some odd now. And yeah, thank God for the listeners' take, sakes, at least this is uh, we did divide this up into three parts. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> but you you mentioned it, man. You you were one for twenty seven. How are Oof. you holding up psychologically after a lot of noms, but only that one win? I mean, in a way, it's kind of I told you so this whole time. <laughs> like, if anyone listens to my podcast, I was like, okay, you know, if, if Power the Dog doesn't take home, I don't think they're winning much of anything. And even stuff like the docs, which they've, uh, the shorts, excuse me, or the docs, things they've dominated in the past, they either had no nominations or they just lost them outright. And so it was sad. They weren't even getting like the layups. You know, uh, I think people mm. are just, uh, just inundated with marketing for way too long in a very long season. And you're trying to prop up a, a bummer versus all these crowd pleasers. And, and they got, they got caught up. Yeah. Speaking of heads exploding, that's kind of been one of the, uh, well, clearly the biggest storyline falling out of this Oscars. There's been nothing bigger <laughs> dominating the headlines other than Netflix did get... That's correct. They lost the race to Best Picture, uh, figuratively yeah. and literally, to Apple. I mean, Apple was the first streamer to claim a Best Picture win uh, with Coda there. So, Netflix, I am glad, Andrew, you're on for, for this episode specifically because I look at this Netflix slate coming up and I don't know that I see those stereotypical Netflix movies that we've seen in the past, like The Irishman, like last year's Power of the Dog, the, the movies like that that I can point to and say... Clearly, that's what they're going to throw their weight behind for Best Picture. So uh, I'm hoping you could help us out and parse through this and uh, kind of guide us in the right direction as to where I could be looking for uh, some what will hopefully be Netflix's finally breaking through in the Best Picture category maybe this year. I felt the same way as you, honestly. I've been kind of putting off uh, doing some kind of like a Mike has come on before for a State of the Union kind of mm -hmm. thing or whatever. And... Honestly, there's far less information on stuff that seems Oscar-y this time mm -hmm. around, and I wonder if that means they're going to be more aggressive going into the festival season. Like, they got Lost Daughter last year, but, like, they actually had a, a, quite a bit ready for last year for their own Oscar push. This doesn't seem like it, and mm. so I wonder whether they're going to be a little more aggressive or they have something up their sleeve that they're just not putting out there. But usually I kind of know something by now. Well, Vegas is kind of knowing something. They typically put early odds out and we could get an early sense. And they do, you know, they do have some some, you know, shorter odds for some of these films and I guess we can jump right into it with Rustin. This is George C. Wolf of Ma Rainey's Black Bottom directing 
This is due out October 1st. Uh, excuse me. This is 10 to 1 odds, not October 1st. <laughs> 10 to 1 odds. October 1st, 10 to 1 odds. No, uh, we have gay civil rights activist Baynard, or Bayard Rustin, who organized the 1963 March on Wa- Washington, if I could speak. This is written by Dustin Lance Black of Milk and, like I said, George C. Wolf, starring in, in a buzzed-about performance already, Coleman Domingo with, you guessed it, Chris Rock, Jeffrey Wright, <laughs> Divine Joy Randolph, Glenn Turman, Andrew, what do you think of Rustin? If they didn't do reshoots to have someone slap Chris Rock, Netflix lost his touch, <laughs> right? We can all agree with that, I think. I set you up well for that, Dan. You, you spiked it home. I yeah, absolutely. Good start. Good start. But you're right. I mean, Domingo is a beast. The cast is very impressive. Uh, I loved what Wolf was able to do with Ma Rainey, including the altered ending from the stage play. But he was also incredibly well suited for that job. His knowledge of the stage production, a small cast, setting up, you know, a modicum of success for him. But can he do it with something bigger in scope, something that's not a chamber piece? He only has a couple other studio films under his belt. So that's where I'm a little confused uh, to see how he's well suited for this film. Uh, Obama's are backing it. It's a higher ground production. So hopefully, you know, that can attend to one seems risky for me. I kind of agree with that, especially because this to me is so clearly an actor play more than it is True. a best picture play. So, I mean, you have the writer of Milk, right? That You know, I, I, it seems very clearly this is going to be a, a performance driven piece, if nothing else anyway. And this could be Coleman Domingo's finally breaking through. I don't even know if he needs to break through at this point. But yeah, 10 to 1, I would kind of I, I might want to wait on that, too, if I'm looking for a place to put my money down because those odds might get longer and the the field like mike likes to say a lot might end up coming back to this movie if it does have best picture legs well we'll keep talking about rustin down the line i'm sure but uh george c wolf has directed some great performances in his past from uh viola davis to oprah Mm -hmm. so uh we'll see yeah coleman domingo could be uh you know, going into the starring position now after being supporting in the last film. So let's uh, move on to The Killer. This is 18 to 1 in Las Vegas. Uh, this wrapped in March, late March. So expectations vary, guys, on whether or not David Fincher's next film will come out at the end of this year or move into next. But Fincher has... Uh, reteamed with Andrew Kevin Walker of Seven. Uh, this is uh, based on a French graphic novel, and it's uh, casting Michael Fassbender, Tilda Swinton, Immortal uh, Samurai. Is she in every movie that's coming out this year? That's yes, like the fourth or fifth is. time we've mentioned her. She's omnipresent, and she could... <laughs> like any good demigod is. I got it. Santa Claus of mm-hmm. acting. Uh, cinematography by Eric Messerschmidt of Mank, the Oscar winner there. And we have a plot premise for the killer that reads, An assassin begins to psychologically crack as he develops a conscience, even as his clients continue to demand his skills. So this is Barry. This is the show Barry, right? Maybe with aliens involved at some point, if I had to keep that shtick going, but this is Barry? (laughs) I don't think so. I mean, like, to me, especially because it's based on the French comic, and if you read any of that stuff, it's a little more self-serious, you know, than Are you familiar with the the actual comic? 
I read up a little bit. Obviously, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't read uh, any of those comics, um, but the uh, the synopsis and, and how it kind of breaks down, mm-hmm. it seems like just a man losing his mind and kind of coming mm-hmm. to grips with what he's done as an assassin forever. So I could see where he got the, the Barry vibes, no <laughs> doubt. But like, I, I think, you know, this is again also David Fincher. Um, my big thing is a couple of things. One, I don't know. I really don't think this movie is coming out in 2022, but if it does, it's going to have to probably miss all the festivals, right? So if you're thinking it's an Oscar play, then I think that doesn't work. Also, the Academy doesn't like to reward Fincher when he does dark and violent. They like mm. Benjamin Button. They like Mank. They like the social network. A noir about an assassin growing a conscience? I don't think so. So as much as <laughs> I'm super pumped for this movie and loving to see Fastbender crawl out of franchise big IP hell, um, I am, you know... <laughs> I don't think this is an Oscar play. Dear Mr. Detective. Uh, <laughs> I, I think this is, this feels more like you're absolutely right. And that's a great point. The Academy doesn't like recognizing Fincher when he does the dark and gritty, but I mean, that's what Fincher is to me. And this seems way more Fincherian than something like Mank did to me. Anyway, I'm super stoked for this just on the premise alone and knowing that Fincher's doing it. They do nominate him. When he goes the dark and gritty, I mean, from seven on up, but you're probably right. I mean, his films have won more when they've been more mainstream. Uh, I'm just a little sad that you, you know, you squashed my dream of Michael Fassbender joining an improv class, though. In this <laughs> one, so we'll have to, we'll have to wait and s- for the next David Fincher film. All right, White Noise, Mike. White Noise currently stating at twenty to one for the odds in Vegas. This is our Vegas. I, I can't speak either. Based on a Tom DeLillo novel from 1985, the release date just reads 2022 at this point, as it's written and directed by Noah Baumbach. You may have heard of him on this show. If few times before on Andrew's show as well as he has been uh, married to Netflix as he did Marriage Story for Netflix a couple <laughs> years ago. He's also known for the squid and the whale amongst others. Adam Driver is back. Greta Gerwig. Funny how she's showing up in this one. Andre Benjamin. <laughs> Alessandro Nivola from The Many Saints of Newark. Jody Turner-Smith of Queen and Slim. Don Cheadle. The plot premise reads, Jack Gladney, professor of Hitler studies at the College on the Hill, husband to Babette, and father to four children slash stepchildren, <laughs> is torn asunder by the airborne toxic event, a cataclysmic train accident that causes that casts chemical waste over his town. So we all want to fight Adam Driver again. Yeah. We're all mad at Adam Driver again. Gucci, Duel, Annette, Star Wars 7 through 9, Marriage Story. We hate all of his characters, and here he is, a Hitler professor. We're going to hate him again. Uh, I can't believe like this is a Noah Baumbach film, and, and yet it seems like the quintessential Noah Baumbach film because it seems like Netflix, Andrew, just telling him to do whatever the hell they want. He's like carte blanche here, but I don't know. I guess I'll agree with Vegas in in the sense that, uh, you know, maybe a a strange film about a Hitler studies professor can win Best Picture at 20 to 1. I don't see it. I mean, I agree with you. Baumbach really cashing his chips for Marriage Story on this one. It's the uh, it's the same author as Cosmopolis uh, with Robert Pattinson. And oh when that movie God. came out, they were like, <laughs> this is an overheated lecture or more metaphor than meat, however you want to do it. And a lot of respected critics that I follow talk about the book in a similar refrain where they're like, this is one of my favorite books ever, but it seems unadaptable. Uh, they also said that about Lost Daughter, and then they kind of rewarded that 
you know, unadaptability into something plausible. So that could work maybe. Um, but honestly, mm-hmm. you know, Driver and Gerwig probably have the best chance and, and with that kind of cast. But woof. Hitler studies. The, the balls on this synopsis. Like, <laughs> I mean, I guess it's typical Bombakian because I just I apparently I'm turning every director's name to an adjective. But mm. here's like 75 pieces of unrelated information that have nothing to do with every each other, and then you're just going to have to <laughs> watch the movie to figure out what the college on the hill, the airborne toxic event, which is a great. Uh, was that a song or no the song no, is sometime band. around midnight yeah. airborne toxic <laughs> event is the band yeah that's a great yeah. song by that band but eh, nonsense this is a nonsense i'm not even sure this is a real movie i think we're being trolled nobody's ever adapted a delillo novel as far as i know also nobody's ever been able to read an entire delillo novel <laughs> as far as i'm um, feeling all intellectually inferior to Nora Bombeck again here because I, I haven't been able to read a DeLillo now. I started one and I'm too dumb. So I, <laughs> I suck. Uh, I don't know why this movie has double the odds of Best Picture right now as that Bombackian word salad that we just went through. But Knives Out 2 is currently sitting at 40 to 1 odds for Best Picture. It's a 30 to $50 million budget right now. Netflix bought the rights to make two sequel films for $469 million. Nice. Uh, written and directed by Ryan Johnson of Brick, Star Wars 8, The Last Jedi. Maybe you've heard of it. Daniel Craig is back as Benoit Blanc. Dave Bautista's in this one. Catherine Hahn. Jessica Henwick of Matrix Resurrections, which... On the eighth take, I think I finally got right. Ed Norton's in this one. Leslie Odom Jr., Janelle Monae, Kate Hudson, Ethan Hawke. This is a loaded, loaded cast, Andrew. Knives out, too. Yeah, for that giant price tag that you said, the unreasonable amount of money, be prepared for an equally unreasonable amount of marketing for this movie as well. (laughs) It's going to be everywhere, uh, especially because they paid for more than one movie. As you said, it's going to be insane. Uh, the first one debuted at TIFF, if I'm not mistaken, and I think this one is set to probably do the same, try to grab an audience award before it drops in probably a November date. My biggest thing, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Jessica Henwick, because as you mentioned, even though we couldn't say the Matrix sequel <laughs> name, um, I think she's always like the best thing about bad movies, and I'm hoping <laughs> that this movie is actually going to be quality, and maybe she gets the uh, Ana de Armas treatment in this, where oh. she kind of sticks out. Um, And she'll also be in another Netflix movie that we're going to get to in a minute, too. So she's going to have a big year or at least be some big projects. So hopefully she's a nice standout because I liked her even in crappy things like Iron Fist. She's amazing. Could be a star making performance for her. Like, uh, I like that. I I have something to look forward to there. Just gut reaction. I don't have a lot to base this on, but this is this one to me was probably my top three of all the films we're talking about today in terms of movies slated to debut in 2022 that I think I would be least surprised if they held off on for another year. I don't think so. They had that big sizzle reel with like, and Knives Out was like their crown jewel. So my my guess is no, I think they're all set to go. It was shot last summer. You know, even though the cast is so long, I don't think the shoot is, uh, you know, over six months or something to where it'll be an issue. I think they're ready to rock and roll. Mike, I think uh, you were ban- you were off Twitter. You were banning yourself from Twitter that week <laughs> because I was just tweeting about yachts and bonds and Catherine Hans, and it was <laughs> it was a big big Twitter week for me because they were sh- you know they were showing all the production, the end of production stuff, Ryan Johnson there, and uh, you wanted nothing to do with it, so you probably lost out there. But yeah, I think they wrapped fairly early. They wrapped they wrapped in the spring, and then th- Andrew like. 
it was weird because in 2020 they didn't have a huge film during Thanksgiving. They had like a a bunch of movies: Hillbilly Elegy, Jingle Jangle, Christmas Chronicles Two, all uh, hits, all hits, Sean Mendes special. Yeah. But they kind of branched out into a bunch of different things. Otherwise, I think they want to have a huge property when they can, whether it's The Irishman or Red Notice, and now Knives Out Two would be that perfect Thanksgiving whatever weekend. Uh, for the family to watch and and knives out one was a huge hit over the thanksgiving box office back in 2019 so that seems to make sense no i think so and, and to be honest uh mike i think you're underselling hillbilly elegy uh here, <laughs> I so. purposely i thought this was the glenn close hive that i was on with right now so you know have a little respect you know <laughs> i'm still upset that she took part in that movie uh he's running for congress though so you can not support him if you're in his district. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm excited for Knives Out 2. I don't understand the odds. I mean, you have a bona fide Oscar contender already in the first installment. This one is is twice as unlikely to reach Best Picture Heights, even though it's already been at the awards ceremony? I think the first one was such a phenomenon, and all they got out of it was original screenplay. So how much can we put stock in them trying to recapture that magic yet again or even improve? That's a fair point. Uh, to get in there. That's where I sit with the odds on that one. So are they going to call this Knives Out 2, or are they just going to call it, like, you know, something else cool somehow? Can he find a cool sequel title? Yeah, if uh, Agatha Christie comes up with a new title every single time, why is Ryan Johnson being so <laughs> finicky? Like, we just have to do this same title I'll every time? honest with you. I think that matters to the Oscars. If it seems just, like, sequely, they may not go for it. Yeah. We know what a bunch of fee people they are, and they get their noses. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's place our bets right now, knowing absolutely nothing about it. Uh, who did it? My money's on Dave Batista. Catherine Hahn. Huh? Okay. Andrew. Yeah, she is duplicitous. I mm. would probably I would say it's probably closer to that. Um, yeah, because I don't see the Batista thing because he got added kind of late. He I could see really Batista being the guy, being the red herring, and then Ed Norton being the. Uh, I so want to spoil that movie every time I talk about Ed Norton, but I, I'll hold myself back from doing Good it. Good job. Good job. All right. Let's move on to uh, Mike One Favorite, Blonde. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is 40 to 1 from Andrew Dominic, starring Anna Diarmas. It is rated NC-17. This is a biopic on Marilyn Monroe. And it's also starring Adrian Brody, Bobby Cannavale, uh, Julianne Nicholson, Scoot McNary, and Toby Huss, Mike. Yeah, so if, if we were getting Barry remade from the previous movie, this one's just going to be NC-17 because we're going to get Brody cock, right? It's just Adrian Brody's penis. That's why it's NC-17. Is that what we're all going with here? <laughs> Probably going to look like an alien. <laughs> it is definitely going to look like an alien, but is he Jolton Joe Gimaggio? Is that Jolton Joe cock? <laughs> is, is it Brody Jolton Joe, or is it Cannavale, uh, Andrew? Any scuttlebutt? <laughs> uh, whose penis is going to be showcased? From the pianist to the pianist? <laughs> pianist? How, how, how do been we playing the long con his whole yeah. career. <laughs> it was all right there in front of us, guys. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I'm not. <laughs> I know that. Uh, weren't you guys like kind of confused who was going to play who? Because I don't know if you guys uh, saw the the IMDb listing or the cast listing on it. They don't actually say names for like anyone besides Marilyn Monroe. Basically, they say like the athlete, which is what Cannavale uh, is. So I think he's going to be the DiMaggio. Um, they say I think the president or the politician. So there's going to be a lesser known guy doing the JFK thing, I guess. And 
you know. So it's going to be weird. But I know Brody's playing a playwright. I don't know who she hooked up with who is a playwright. I don't know the Marilyn Monroe story enough to get there. Kind of cool that Netflix is going into NC-17 territory, I guess. I, I mean, it's at oh, least they something hate it. new. <laughs> I, I, I would imagine they're not crazy about it, but it's still, I guess, if it's in their own confined streaming service, why not? They they hate it until it's 365 yeah, days, right. part three, Andrew, right? Or, or I mean, what Deepwater? Deepwater had conversation on people, and obviously that wasn't even as successful either. But I will tell you, as a, not an Andrew Dominic fan, I'm starting to warm to him because he had one of the best quotes I've seen yeah. in the history of mankind where he said uh, to the rap, it's a demanding film. If the audience doesn't like it, that's the fucking audience's problem. I'm nice. Not, I'm not running for public office. That was his quote to a journalist. Good. Full, just like letting it hang out. I, I like this that. man. Yeah. We love it until the movie fucking sucks. And oh, then we I know. He's going to get that right back in his face. It's going to be amazing. But I'll tell you, I don't even know what Netflix is doing with this movie because, A, I hear they're trying to cut it down and cut out some of the sex scenes and still work it. And they're releasing the Mystery of Meryl Monroe Netflix doc in like next month or this month, something like that, and hmm. kind of taking all the air out of the mystery balloon that is that movie. So, yeah, besides the sexuality, like, what are we doing here, Netflix? Are you trying to trump your own movie? Hmm. I, don't I, I don't know. Does I feel like that happens a lot, though, not necessarily with Netflix, but usually when something comes out, when a big big-time movie drops or a big show drops or something covering a historical event or a biopic, you'll have this rush and this flood of competing documentaries. Now, like you said, I mean, it's not usually by the same studio releasing yeah. uh, properties one on top of the other. So that is bizarre. Well, we'll have to wait and see if the documentary trumps the show or the film in this case. But, uh, Here's something where that won't happen. It's Spaceman. <laughs> Spaceman is starring Adam Sandler, Carey Mulligan, and Paul Dano, directed by Johan Rank of Chernobyl and Breaking Bad. And here we have the premise reading, Jakob Prohashka, orphaned as a boy and raised in the Czech countryside by his grandparents, Adam Sandler, folks, overcomes <laughs> his odds to become the country's first astronaut. Yeah. No white Michael. person is allowed to have an accent in film anymore except for Adam Sandler. I don't know how he keeps getting away with it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, guys. How can we take Spaceman seriously as an Academy Award contender? And Vegas, I forgot to write down the odds for this one. Vegas likes it. What the hell are we talking about after Station 69 on Adam Sandler's last <laughs> <laughs> Rob Schneider, which might be the funniest freaking stupid song ever, but uh, Spaceman might be a sneaky contender. The only thing I can think of is that the novel you know, is kind of reviewed as Solaris with laughs, history lessons, and a pig killing. <laughs> toss, in <laughs> toss in befriending an alien spider and Adam Sandler, and you might have the recipe for something at least unique or interesting or the most complete disaster we could possibly think of. Uh, you know, so you, you got the guy from Chernobyl doing this. And, Mike, I know you're, uh, you know, Mike One, you're a big fan of trying to get all the stars to the Oscars, like especially with the best song category this year. Mm -hmm. How about we forget Spaceman, get Hustle 
in the Oscar nomination pool because it's an Adam Sandler movie produced by LeBron. Don't we want LeBron at the Oscars? I think it's a matter of time, especially if he's following in uh, in Kobe's footsteps. And Kobe's an Oscar winner, so why not? LeBron's probably due at some point. I, yeah, didn't they just reward Shaq and Seth Curry right. or whatever? Yeah, there, was that, for, yeah, they, yeah. there is the NBA affinity that the Academy clearly has. So I think that's a matter of time before that happens. But this cast alone, Mulligan, Sandler, Dano, I mean, you could tell me this is, you know, Zohan too, or you could tell me this is a serious <laughs> Oscar contender, and I could see that From all three the- of those names going either way. Director of Chernobyl, yeah. which is the least funniest show in the history of shows uh-huh. on HBO. Yeah, it's, it's a, like, but it's a, about a man slowly moves, losing his mind. It's mostly just Sandler for most of the movie. Oh my so, god! So if you're not gonna like that accent from like the first five minutes, you better turn it off. <laughs> How is he gonna get away with this? I mean, more power to him, I guess. But good god, crazy. Yeah. What if he's just Billy Madison the whole movie? <laughs> if he redoes the bathtub scene in the spaceship, I'd be totally about it. <laughs> You'd know it's coming out. Somewhere at some point, it's going to come out. Uh, but all right, that's, that's Space Man. Mike, the gray man is a, a horse of a different color. All the alien jokes I've made throughout these three episodes, and I didn't make one for Space Man, but we'll talk about this <laughs> giant blockbuster that Netflix has on its hand, The Gray Man, coming out in July. A $200 million budget. May not surprise you to hear that it's odds for Best Picture right now are all the way down at 66 to 1. Uh, this is a Russo Brothers movie written by Marcus and McFeely, Ryan Gosling, Chris Evans, and the Armas, Regine Page. I'm never going to say that name right. The guy from Bridgerton who's hot. Billy Bob Thornton, <laughs> Julia Butters, Alfre Woodard of Clemency, Jessica Henwick in this one as well. When the CIA's most skilled mercenary, whose true identity is known to none, accidentally uncovers dark agency secrets, a psychopathic former colleague puts a bounty on his head, setting off a global manhunt by international assassins, Andrew. Listen. I want to talk nothing but Chris Evans' flat top and mustache combo that makes him look like a real-life G.I. <laughs> Joe character and also being the villain of this movie. But I think I need to start with the Russos because I think they have something to prove with this movie. Because Cherry was not good. Mm-hmm. Their, their uh, you know producer record since the MCU is also a mixed bag. You got Extraction, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Relic being very positive. 21 Bridges, Super Me, and Cherry, not so much. So when your big directorial success comes in a factory system like Marvel, how much credit do you actually get for those films? I think they really need something of their own to really stick out. Uh, amongst their success. And obviously, like you said, Marcus and McFeely are back on the writing staff, so that's always good. Um, But I I need this movie to be excellent. I can't have this movie be bad for my mental sanity. You got Gosling, Chris Evans, and Anadarmus, and as I mentioned before, Jessica Henwick, too. Man, it it can't be bad. I can't go through Red Notice again. We can't do this. I'm rooting for you, pal. All right, we got a bunch of uh, smaller films. I don't know if they're smaller, but uh, I mean, Netflix slate is huge, Mike. So we'll rip off a bunch before we get into the grab, stab, nab here. Uh, Shirley, that's starring Regina King, follows the biopic about Shirley Chisholm, America's first black congresswoman. That's directed by John Ridley of 12. He was a producer on 12 Years a Slave. Also stars Andre Holland, Lucas Hedges, and Terrence Howard. 
We got The Wonder, starring Florence Pugh, Kieran Hines, Neom Algar, Tom Burke, and Toby Jones. Great cast for The Wonder. A tale of two strangers who transform each other's lives. A psychological thriller and a story of love pitted, pitted against evil. This is directed by Sebastian Lelio of A Fantastic Woman. And going along the awesome actress chain here, we got The Good Nurse, Jessica Chastain, Eddie Redmayne. Now, two Oscar winners there. Namdi Asamoa. Uh, this is directed by the writer of Another Round in the Hunt, Tobias Lindholm, written by Christy Wilson Cairns of 1917 and Last Night in Soho. The Good Nurse is about an infamous caregiver who is implicated in the deaths of hundreds of hospital patients. Is that Chastain or Redmayne? We'll find out. Doesn't sound like that good of a nurse at all. Uh, Mike, quick question, though, for, for the good nurse. Bigger setback to the reputation of the male nurse, because it is actually Redmayne is the killer. Oh, is it? Um, meet the parents or this movie? Which one is worse <laughs> for the reputation this of the movie. male nurse? Definitely <laughs> Setting the profession movie. back decades. <laughs> <laughs> the Pale Blue Eye, that's starring Christian Bale. It follows a veteran detective who investigates the murders, helped by a detail-oriented young cadet who will later become a world-famous author, Edgar Allan Poe. It also stars Lucy Boynton of Bohemian Rhapsody, Gillian Anderson of The X-Files, Robert Duvall's in this. It's a loaded cast there for that one. Are you fans of Scott Cooper movies here? Crazy Heart was pretty good. Antlers, not so much. Hostiles, eh. Out of the furnace, nah. I don't know. I'm worried. I'm a little middling on him, too. I thought Hostiles is probably the best of what he's done. But, like, yeah, out of the furnace, it went back and forth. It was very mediocre. You know, I I don't know. He he doesn't do it for me a lot of the time. But I will say that the Harry Melling casting for Edgar Allan Poe is spot on because that dude is creepy as hell and actually very good. I like him and a couple other Netflix projects, Buster Scruggs and Devil all the time. So I think he would he would be a good person to do that. All right. Well, we're going to remake The Raid with Tom (laughs) Hardy. This is Gareth Evans, director of The Raid. So that's that could be interesting. We got a jazz man's blues from Tyler Perry. And, you know, I'll give Perry some credit here because he's given a lot of younger actors the star turns in this movie. So we'll never know. A jazz man's blues. We got Monkey Man, directorial debut by Dev Patel. Uh, He'll also star in it. We got major adaptations from Netflix of a former Best Picture winner, 1930, All Quiet on the Western Front. Okay, but are we sure that's going to be given its proper due because we saw what they did with Rebecca? It's starring Daniel Bruhl. Yeah. I have no idea, but yeah, I mean, it's... They're uh, positioning it as a re-adaptation of the book versus a remake of the Best Picture winner. Oh, so, there you go. I know, but so it, it's the same story. The one thing I will say on the positive is that Netflix has been doing really well with uh, war genre lately. The Forgotten War, Munich, mm. The Edge of War, and The Bombardment, oh, good. all very good. So right. I'm hoping at least whether it has to live up to a Best Picture winner is one thing but to be entertaining and and just a quality picture i'm i'm hopeful there you go otherwise we got persuasion uh jane austen adaptation dakota johnson it's another one who's in every movie it seems this year dakota johnson she's in a lot yeah Yeah. and she's been great in the ones i've seen so far henry golding of uh of last christmas is that's the first movie that came to mind from henry golding for me (laughs) He was so good at that. What a great movie. Uh, Crazy Rich Asians, of course. Richard E. Grant. Can't you ever forgive me? Nikki Amuka Bird from Luther. And then we have a huge animated slate, guys. 
from Netflix, Pinocchio uh, from director Guillermo del Toro. He's been working on that a while. Wendell and Wilde from Key and Peel. Uh, already out, we have The House. God help me, I hated The House. We have Apollo <laughs> now, Ten and a Half. Not to stop the flow, Mike, but do you consider The House a movie? It's broken into three pieces. I see this as a movie everywhere else. I'm like, how is this possible? They literally have like <sighs> chapter selections on Netflix. I am so done with the Netflix stop motion right now between Robin Robin and the house. Like Robin Robin should have been in the house. Like that should have been <laughs> That's a fair that, point. that <laughs> stupid film should have been it. I never rooted for a cat to eat freaking <laughs> singing mice and, and birds in my life, like singing animated birds. I wanted them to die and I wanted to watch it happen slow. <laughs> and them singing about it. Yeah. That's what I wanted. I was rooting for that cat. I hate cats. We're also going to probably hate, cats, hate but... Pinocchio by the end of this year because there's two of them coming out this year. And they it... we had one last year, two years ago, too, right? Didn't we? Which nobody knew about until it was nominated for an Oscar. Right. Roberto yeah. Benigni. <laughs> yeah, right. There's snail people. Remember that? Yeah. And guess Nonsense. what? I'm a snail person. I love how it's the dynamic duo who brings such quality children's tales as Mimic or Don't Be Afraid of the Dark or Crimson Peak to start taking on this nightmare fuel for children. So what are we doing? But all right, Andrew, you said you teased us. That you know of another animated property that's going to bolster the slate even more. Well, there's two. I mean, The Sea Beast is coming out real soon. It's a monster hunter on the high seas movie with a child befriending a sea monster. That's done by Chris Williams, who did Big Hero 6, Bolt, and oh. was the co-director of Moana as well. But to me, the one that I have, you know, as the star that I'm trying to look for is uh, My Father's Dragon, which is Cartoon Saloon. Um, it's the director of The Breadwinner and The Secret of Kells. Both were nominated for Best anime, Animated Feature at the Oscars, and it's also from the producer of Wolfwalkers, which is also, of course, wow. Cartoon Saloon. So there's a lot of, you know, they love that studio at the yeah. Academy. So to me, I mean, a, uh, a redux of Pinocchio, eh, something darker with Wendell Wild, I don't know. But My Father's Dragon, I think, has maybe the best chance, possibly, of all of it. I like that. Uh, I also am terrified at the. I mean, Pinocchio, the Disney version, is dark enough on its own. Never mind Guillermo <laughs> del Toro getting his hands on it. But all right, yeah. let's play. Let's play grab, stab, and nab. Uh, for mm -hmm. if you're just joining us on this part three, we are taking studio by studio, and we pick one movie each, and we assign it a Oscars grab, an Oscars stab, or an Oscars nab. Oscars grab having a negative connotation, something that's maybe. A little too obviously a play for an Oscar. Uh, something a stab is something that could nail a couple of nominations, maybe steal a win as well. And an Oscar's nab is something that could surprisingly nab a nomination or maybe even a surprise underdog upset win. Uh, my grab was going to be Anna de Armas for the lead actress for that Marilyn Monroe biopic in Blonde. I, I, I get the feeling neither of you are taking it that seriously anyway, though. NC-17... Hard to say it's an Oscars grab if they, you know, if if, if it if stays with NC seventeen, I agree with you. Yeah, I thought that was their intent though, and I think this totally blindsided them. So I can I can completely agree with at least your sentiment here. But yeah, I don't think it'll end up being in that direction. I hope it is an Oscars grab. Let's go, <laughs> <laughs> NC seventeen. Get all Get the all clips. The... <laughs>
all the clips, all the nips. That's what we're here for. <laughs> uh, but I would say a lot of these projects have former nominees and winners attached. So kudos to Netflix that I, you can make the argument that they're trying to grab Oscars again and that they might be stabbing them as well. And again, stab meaning a good thing. Always. So uh, in any look, context. These, Scream, <laughs> slasher fans over here. Uh, Halloween kills, ends. All right, we have uh, Netflix going one for twenty-seven, so they're rattled. But Andrew, I don't see a very grabby slate, like I, like I'm saying. So I give them credit in this instance. the The grabbiest one to me was the Spaceman, and it almost feels like they're trying to push Adam Sandler with the director of Chernobyl. But then again, the way you pitched it. It doesn't seem grabby at all if it if it's you know dancing along comedy and and drama in a way. Uh, otherwise, if, yeah, maybe it's grabby if it's The Martian, and his a- accent is just preposterous, and he still gets nominated regardless. So. Yeah, befriending an alien spider kind of throws a little caution to the wind for that. That's that's yeah, really where exactly. it goes. So, I don't think so. Um, my my grab on that I think is actually Pinocchio for that same thing. I think because they were just trying to to flex on del toro's name recognition and a known property to get a nomination in a category that they would love to beat disney pixar in can you imagine getting a nomination instead of uh one of the disney pixar movies with a <laughs> with a property that they're known for they would in a movie so that scares the ever-living shit yeah. out of every child yeah. on the planet because that, that's, that's be what horrifying. i feel like he's oh yeah, they it's showed one terrible. clip with who, presumably the quote-unquote kind of Jiminy Cricket kind of thing, and it looks like a real cricket, and you're like, oh, no, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that ever again. It's Schmeagle. <laughs> <laughs> Schmeagle Cricket. <laughs> All right, stab, Mike. I, I could talk myself into the entire slate for Netflix uh, for as far as what could be a stab and what could be a strong Oscars contender. The Good Nurse... Could be tailor-made for this, except that Chastain just won. And I thought she was playing the villain, but now Eddie Redmayne's playing the villain. I I, I would love to see that dynamic. I, I have no idea how it's going to play out. Uh, Fincher, I could see being a stab. Anytime Fincher does anything Fincherian, but like Andrew said, and I think it's a good point, the, when he goes more of a lighter touch is when he seems to garner more nominations and more recognition from the Academy. Uh, but to Mike's point, not that he never gets nominated when he goes otherwise, but I, I'm going to settle on the first title that we said here. Uh, I hope Rustin is Coleman Domingo's big coming out party, his big star making turn. And I can absolutely see that movie being uh, garnering a couple noms, not just the one for Domingo, but I could see Domingo being a serious player in the best actor, best actor field this year. We were banging on the door for him, for Ma Rainey's there. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't a, as big of a fan for Zola, but it was, ni- it was nice to see everybody on the fringe and the indie spirits uh, recognize him for that. I will say uh, I agree with you that Rustin is my stab, even though I'm tempted to say that Noah Baumbach might just be in his prime and that white noise he's just going to be, you know, he's directing so the- much respect from Vegas too, for a premise. That's that premise college on the Hill, Hitler <laughs> yes. professor, you know, <laughs> exactly. So if he can make that work, yeah. then we got to look out. Cause Noah Bombach's in his bag. Uh, Andrew, do you have a stab? Yeah. I'm, I'm still going to bang on that drum for white noise too, because I think Adam driver for a best actor nomination feels very good to me because he finally has a year where he doesn't have two, three, four movies in the same year. He actually mm. only has this movie. So, you know, we could see, you know, the love he got for Marriage Story come right back around again. 
how much does he really study Hitler, though? Do have to... <laughs> All right, Mike, we're getting into the nab territory. Bold predictions here. I went with the spaceman because I have no idea what the hell that movie's going to be. I mean, I'll give Netflix this credit. When they're, they've become the home of more original properties, obviously, and more passion projects because of that. But because that's who they are with a lot of these movies, it's tough to tell what to expect from a lot of these films down the pipeline when you don't have that much information about them. Like, you want to give me Florence Pugh and Kieran Hines and you want to tell me they might be going head to head in The Wonder? Yeah, I'm here for it. You want to tell me that Netflix is teaming up with Key and Peele for an animated feature? Can I see that somehow breaking through the anime? Sure, absolutely. But I just don't know enough about these a lot of these titles yet. I'm just learning in this recording through you two guys that the spaceman is something I'm supposed to be taking very seriously. So as opposed to the lighter touch and maybe com- comedy, I thought it might've been at the, at the outset, but yeah, whatever it's, there's too much talent attached behind the camera and in front of the camera for that to be ignored. I'm actually going to go the gray man as my nab. I think hmm. it's, it's, I think it's being underrated and I was going to go with Guillermo, but yeah, Andrew already did that. So I'm going to pivot and say the gray man I'm not going to underestimate the Russo brothers, Marcus and McFeely, handling a property that's been so beloved and so prioritized by Netflix with that price tag. And if it's if it's not Ryan Johnson and Knives Out 2, i got to wait on the title of Knives Out 2. If the title is Knives Out 2, I'm down on it. If it, if down it includes it the word boogaloo, does that make it higher or lower? Lower <laughs> for a lot of reasons. So what's a success for the Gray Man, Andrew? Like, you don't want it to be mm. red noted. What, what, what's a hit for the Gray Man being a success to you? Because obviously Netflix, for it to be a success, they're going to roll out the obscene fake numbers that they do for every one of their big Next releases. Next James Bond. <laughs> yeah, Honestly, I just want entertainment. Like, it's so bad that a lot of the stuff that has cost the most money for them hasn't been outside of the Irishman hasn't been a high critical praise. So Mm. I need them to just kind of marry those two things. I mean, Netflix has been so thirsty for a franchise, uh, that'll work. Um, you know, uh, they're going to be happy with extraction Two coming out soon or any of these other ones. Uh, you know, but I, I think if something like that had legs and they can keep getting these stars to keep coming back, you know, every year or two, they would love that way more than what happened with Red Notice. I think they re-upped that just out of a panic for how much money they spent on it and just <laughs> justifies having their face plastered all over their screen. So I don't know. I, I think just a little bit of critical praise and kind of like a consensus like they did it movie would be a success for me. Okay. Well, it makes sense to me. And then if, certainly if they do get that with the price tag attached with the marketing, that's inevitably going to come with something like the gray man. Uh, I, I kind of like that pick for a nab Mike with the gray man there, but all right, Andrew, what's your nab? My nab, I put uh, my father's dragon, but I kind of like put all that out there already. So I want to toss in one more. Uh, the wonder is based Good. is uh, the same author as room with brought, which brought uh, Brie Larson, of course, into the awards conversation sure. some years mm. back. It's based loosely on a true story about religion, kind of crossing the line into superstition. Um, and it's basically like an investigation into trying to debunk a miracle, kind of like set like the exorcist with a person, a doctor kind of coming into a town to try to debunk kind of this weird, odd anomaly. And it also dives into dark family secrets and stuff like that. So I don't know if this is a wordsy, but it definitely seems like it could be a hit. Uh, and Florence Pugh, 
I've been dying to see her get nominated again because she's just so good. And she gets to be out of the MCU again to do something uh, very interesting. That's I like I love that pick. I love Sebastian Lelio. That guy can direct the hell out of the film. Hell, I mean, the the short film he did with the dancing was probably the best out of that short film, Quarantine Short Films that we reviewed. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I, I'm I'm totally in on that. And yeah, I, I remember I've almost bought this audiobook a hundred times, but it's a bent spoon for the ty- uh, cover of the audiobook. Okay, The Wonder. So oh, kind of cool. So it's The yeah. Matrix. REM. Yeah. I also haven't forgiven him for uh, doing the Gloria, Gloria Bell thing. So, uh, you know, it's like (laughs) pick one and go with it. It's your own movie. You could have just named it Gloria. What are you doing to yourself? Well, well, that's the slate that Netflix has. And uh, it is quite the slate as it usually is and has been the last few years from Netflix. We can transition to another streamer uh, and one that the one that beat uh, Netflix to the Best Picture Award for a streamer. That's going to be Apple and Apple TV Plus. Killers of the Flower Moon. That's probably going to be a name and a title you hear talked about on every movie's podcast for quite some time in 2022. It's currently sitting at 7-1 to one odds, tied with Canterbury Glass right now, the David O. Russell project we talked about uh, last episode or the one before. I, I can't remember. Uh, this is the Scorsese movie. Eric Roth is the writer. He has six Oscar noms on his resume already. Forrest Gump, Insider, Munich, Benjamin Button, Star is Born, Dune, starring Leo DiCaprio, who is totally unrecognizable in this movie, I hear. Robert De Niro, <laughs> Jesse Plemons, Lily Gladstone, of Certain Woman, uh, and First Cow, Tantu Cardinal, Dances with Wolves, Tatanka Means from The Maze Runner and Banshee, Sturgill Simpson, Brendan Fraser, John Lithgow. Here is the premise. Members of the Osage tribe in the United States are murdered under mysterious circumstances in the 1920s, sparking a major FBI investigation involving J. Edgar Hoover, Michael. So the obvious grab, stab, dab, nab, bab, (laughs) flab, gab, gabba, gabba, hey, (laughs) Ramon's favorite Ramon song here. Look at, this is the Killers of the Flower Moon's, you know, hype train right now. And the Oscars are going to be built around this movie. And it's wild that Apple just came off a win for a teeny tiny movie. The the Sundance favorite. (laughs) I wonder what they're thinking right now with the the price tags, but Scorsese, Leo, Bobby D hundreds of billions of of dollars to discuss the origins of the Bureau. Has Scorsese finally overreached or will this put him in a higher Oscars bracket, getting his second go around at as at a big hall? You know, uh, if if you know if it wasn't going to be the Irishman, maybe it's this. Now, the coolest thing to me, guys, is that Jesse Plemons uh, seems to be the main character, or this is being <laughs> this is being debated over at film Twitter quite a bit between the lead uh, Jesse Plemons versus the lead Leonardo DiCaprio. Is it going to be? a uh, Marlon Brando, Al Pacino situation, or will Jesse Plemons just get the lead role and and the, and the you know leading man Oscar category, and would that put Leo in the in the driver's seat of the supporting actor category if some frauds involved there? So look at any best actor five without Plemons or Leo is not paying attention right now. It's kind of similar to what was the uh, conversation before anyone knew anything about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, too. Oh, my God, they have Brad Pitt and Leo. Well, they're both obviously going to be going for the lead yeah. actor at Oscar. Neither one can play supporting. And then not only does Brad Pitt go supporting, but he's truly a supporting character in that movie. And he wins his first Oscar for the supporting actor category. But uh, what do you think about Killers of the Flower Moon here, Andrew? Well, I mean, when it was still at Paramount, 
DiCaprio had the script rewritten so that he could play the supporting role of Ernest Burkhart instead of the lead Tom White. Um, he so, had it doubled, I heard. Doubled in length. Yeah, well, with. that was the other thing. I want to know the runtime of this film so I can reuse everyone's Irishman jokes from a couple years ago and apply them back to this one. Shots fired at Netflix. Come on. I don't even recognize Apple TV Plus as a streaming service yet. Are you kidding me? I'm kidding. That's just a Netflix thing. Um, I've watched it three times, and I'm almost halfway done. Yeah. <laughs> well, my favorite was, I think, uh, Chris Rock was like, I'm on episode three of The Irishman. <laughs> what is everybody else on? But, uh, yeah, so... I don't know what chicanery they're playing with moving the roles around, but the the cast is too good. You figure it's at least going to get nominated, but is this going to be another Irishman where it's going to be potentially so bloated, you know, and and, and over marketed or however they're going to play it? It'd be interesting to to kind of compare, contrast, and compare uh, the Irishman campaign to this when it comes around. To me, it seemed like Scorsese had carte blanche at Netflix with the Irishman. And it was overly bloated and it was overly, you know, convoluted in some ways. And it seemed like maybe somebody stepping in at some point to kind of rein him in a bit might have been a better thing. I wonder if Apple's going to do that. I wonder if Apple cares. I wonder if that actually even happened. Maybe Netflix was on board with anything Martin Scorsese wanted to do. And they, they were just there, you know, patting his back and saying, great job. And they were just happy to have a Scorsese movie. Well, when Paramount gave this up and let it go on the open market, their whole thing is they didn't want to do this kind of psychological thriller that I guess it's now pivoted to because of how they changed the script after DiCaprio got to it. So I, I don't know. I guess the original one was maybe more of an action thriller versus like something a bit more dark. So I don't know. I don't know what they're doing with this. And movie. Netflix and didn't want any part of this one. Well, they're not that they didn't want any part, but they didn't want to be as financially invested as they were to the Irishman, right? That's why they right. passed they, on this. Yeah, they didn't go for broke. Uh, it's not like they didn't offer probably a big amount of money, right. but Jesus Christ, Apple way right. overbid, you know, to try to get this one on because you know they're the new kid on the block. And the one thing I keep hearing about Apple is that they don't care too much about their streaming service. They just want to be cool. They love more that Ted Lasso was a Halloween costume and that it's successful in that kind of way than any of their other projects. They don't care. They Ted just want Sarandos something just that... murdered another intern hearing you say that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised he wasn't uh-huh. jumping off the billboard uh, on Santa yeah. Monica Boulevard after uh, Coda won. So at least he's still kicking. <laughs> Apple does have other offerings in their slate other than uh, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon here, which is, again, you're going to hear that title all year long. It's going to be a major player, even if it does end up going over at the Oscars. It's probably going to be at the Oscars at this point. Cha-Cha, real smooth. This is also Mike's favorite film from Sundance. Mm-hmm. It's coming out in June, starring Dakota Johnson, Brad Garrett, Leslie Mann, uh, writer-director Cooper Rafe, a young man who works at a bar mitzvah party host, strikes up a friendship with a mother and her artistic daughter. We've previewed this one a couple times. Everybody is in love with it, Mike, as are you. Yeah. Uh, my favorite film at Sundance, B plus 89, a high grade for me on the year. I would love to see Cha-Cha Real Smooth as a screenplay uh, nominee at the end of the day. I, I would doubt it's going to have the same Coda love and the same Coda legs uh, as that August release date was last year because here we're getting Cha-Cha Real Smooth in June, even a less oscar date in this case. So... Regardless, though, I'm hoping it's a big hit for Apple TV+. Plus. So I wonder why Netflix 
doesn't go for the big hit from Sundance, like the audience award winner from Sundance or South by Andrew. I mean, is that something you think they're going to pivot to down the line and overpay, you know, the 30 million instead of 25 to get some of these type of films? No. And unfortunately I'm, I'm, I hate that about them. I, they used to do this kind of thing and then they, they stopped doing that um, because they changed their, their production heads. And a lot of the, the stances now trying to be, a combination of equitable and also, you know, kind of popcorny, like trying to make hit. They're trying to do hit makers while the occasional. I think they're going to scale back and maybe do mm. less of all of that, if that makes any sense. But trying to be uh, quality over quantity, and I don't know if Oscar, like Academy Award pictures work well enough for them to gobble them up like they used to and just try to go for broke in terms of nominations. Um, even though this one, like you said, I'd be thrilled if it had an original screenplay nomination or had any other thing to go with it because it was also my favorite Sundance film yes. and, and my favorite film of 2022 overall so far. Huh. Um, it was one of those typical movie poster lines where it made me laugh, made me cry, made me aroused. You know how everybody <laughs> has that. So it was amazing and a great kid performance in it too. A coming of age film that doesn't care what age you are when you arrive at that maturity. I, I was so into it. Cooper Rafe makes me sick for how good he is at uh, two films. <laughs> yeah, at I'm age angry 25. at him. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I love that film, and you could feel that push and pull with Dakota Johnson's character and Cooper Rafe that whole time. It was it was amazing. I, I hope everything for it, even though it's not Netflix. Netflix <laughs> should just embrace the uh, NC-17 of Blonde and have that be the tagline of it. You made me laugh, it made me cry, it made me aroused. <laughs> yes. Just go you know, full bore into it. Luck is another offering. <laughs> Luck is another offering from Apple. This is animated. Jane Fonda, Simon Pegg, Whoopi Goldberg, Lil Rel Howery. The curtain is pulled back on the millennia-old battle between the organizations of good luck and bad luck that secretly affects everyday lives. So Apple saw Inside Out and uh, Soul, and they were like, hey, we can do that. <laughs> Are these two like warring leprechaun tribes? <laughs> it's not. It's possible. I mean, Simon Pegg. <laughs> it's got that vibe. <laughs> All right. I, I wish it was Barry Keegan versus Kieran Hines. Yeah, yeah I wish. That's, that's the. Uh, I think it's the, you're looking for the Martin McDonough movie we reviewed last time. That's similar. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But listen, guys, I right. warn people about Apple TV Plus with animation because. They're basically using Skydance's animation, so like that whole uh, partnership. And, they mm -hmm. and Skydance hired former Pixar and Walt Disney's CCO, John Lasseter, mm -hmm. to head up their animation department. And oh. he poached a whole bunch of those people from his former employers. And I'm telling you right now, you thought the Coda thing was bad? It would be another massive blow to Netflix if Apple became Disney and Pixar's biggest competition. After all the work Netflix has done in that mm. space, they would lose their minds. But I'm interested in this one. Kung Fu Panda, Ryan the Last Dragon, Cars, Writer Creators. So, you know, it, it should be good. Apple I'm should hoping. also lean into that, too. If they like, they should release press releases half acknowledging that they barely even knew they had a movie out. Never mind, won an Oscar <laughs> and beat Netflix to it. Oh, we want an animated yeah. feature? That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> if, if luck is not a remake of Darby O'Gill and the Little People, I'm going to be upset. <laughs> oh, amazing. Watch it every St. Patrick's Day. All right, undated guys, but some biggies here, and we got to at least touch on the conversation. We have 
Emancipation, which will be coming out late 2022. This was directed by Antoine Fuqua, starring Will Smith. He can get nominated for this, you know. He can get nominated. (laughs) Ben Foster. Uh, This is an escaped uh, slave uh, harrowing premise. I won't get into all of it here, but it looks like it could be a... Quite, you know, quite the statement on on the cruelty of that era, and it has a huge budget. So kudos to Apple putting in a hundred twenty million dollar budget uh, behind this film, uh, and it uh, will not have Will Smith at the Oscars this year because he will be. They banned him from attending the Oscars for ten years. Is that like? I mean. What else are they going to do? They just couldn't do anything. They could stop him from getting nominated, I guess. That would have been too harsh. Ten years he can't show up to the show that ruined his life and his carefully cultured public image. Well, the fallout After 30 years of brilliant movie stardom. It's going to be fascinating to watch because, okay, is Emancipation going to go forward? We already saw, Andrew, that there's a Netflix property that was supposed to be headed by Will Smith that Netflix said they're already putting on the back burner. Yeah, it's a lot easier to to pause things, right, than something like this situation where you have it in the can, you had plans for it, mm-hmm. and now your your whole marketing department jumped out the window. So uh, <laughs> everybody at DC is nodding their heads vigorously <laughs> right now. Yeah. Right. Oh, by the way, Bright Two was trying to be developed again too. So man, Netflix was in in the company of Will Smith for a lot of projects. So it's uh, it's a tough one. It's a tough beat. But let's all talk about why is Antoine Fuqua getting uh, over $100 million to make a movie? Because <laughs> The Guilty and the Infinite and Equalizer 2 were so good. Those were his last three movies, guys. Oof. What are we doing? Oof. It's been a long time since training day. It was 01. Can we, uh, can we try to do something? And oh, by the way, it's the Assassin's Creed writer. Ooh. <laughs> like, what are we this doing? This is the Netflix guy I remember. <laughs> Here he is. There he is. <laughs> Oh, complimentary of Coda. Cha-cha <laughs> real smooth, and here he is. Now, I, uh, I I agree with you. It could go either way. And the problem, Mike, that we look at when we in terms of, uh, you know, talking about a Will Smith property is what's the Academy going to do? Is it going to have to be the, a Daniel Day-Lewis level performance to him for him to even have a chance? And then will he get snubbed regardless well, because it's, he's persona it's, non grata? Yeah, well, I mean, it's a non-issue in the next couple of years at least because he just won. He's not giving back his trophy, thank God. Or at least they're not asking Good. him to, thank Good. God. No, he and should, he should not. Ha- yeah, he absolutely should keep it. But they're not – people aren't going to nominate him just to spite the Academy right now. And I don't know that he has anything, anything – you know, that's going to blow anyone away for Oscars purposes anyway. And even if he did, even if emancipation is this, oh my God, role of his, you're going to, he's going to be nominated the year after he just won anyway. I don't know that they would do that. So the Academy is probably going to do the job for the leaders of the Academy. Like, I don't know that he's at risk of being nominated anytime soon anyway, if that makes sense. Not, it almost doesn't matter how good he is in these movies. You know what I mean? Because he's going to have the controversy tied to him as well as, well, he just won. So does it really matter? Will that be a tiebreaker type scenario? I think where the question is going to come down like that is in another five or so years. Like when we're halfway through this punishment now and he yeah. does have his, his next, you know, highly anticipated. I mean, King Richard, we talked about it upcoming for two years, you know, going on three years. We talked about its production. So that was a hotly, highly anticipated property. The next one of those he has, if he has another one of those in the chamber coming he down will. the pipe, he will. and he probably will. I don't think this is going to end his career by any means. So no. 
that's going to be the question, but that movie probably isn't coming for him for another five, six, seven years. Yeah, I don't know. I wondered if Emancipation was going to be it based on that dollar amount, based on the uh, the commitment from Apple here. And it's it's a shame if the movie's good, this would take away from that and that this would be a major downside, and I, I'm sure he would regret that. So the, this I, is a punishment for Will Smith. Is very surface level, and I mean, it, it, look at. I don't think he should be punished more than this. I think he should be punished this. It makes sense to me. I think you said that, that on Twitter yeah, too. I agree with that. It's a proper, it's a proper punishment at this point. I mean, it's I, mean a, I think I think they should have banned him from nomination. That's my take. At least a certain amount, because honestly, I, Colin Jost had. I thought was a great take on this on SNL. And it was basically like, so his punishment was that he's banned for 10 years from attending the Oscars. Is that a punishment? Like he can't he go to the show. The right, he can't, right. He can't like, he's like the punishment should be that Will Smith should have to host the Oscars. Right. But, but he could still go to the parties. He could still be nominated. He could be a part of the aura of he Oscarism. He is not as persona non grata, which is, this is what it kind of makes him. He is like you said, he is going to have a long timeout, a longer timeout now with the 10-year factor. And he's probably not getting nominated for the next few years anyway. But you, you hit it on the head. Like, in year six, if he's got a great movie right. and he gets nominated, are people still going to hold grudges down the line? And and even if he does get nominated, will they vote him to win? Probably not. I don't know. We'll have to it's it's gonna have be. I, I have I have a billion thoughts running through my head because it's like, well, I I to me just speaking now, and who knows what the future holds. It's this seems like it's gonna be a tiebreaker type thing. It's gonna be one of those. Well, I don't want to stir the pot, and he already just won one anyway. So you know, you know what I mean. Like why yeah. why ruffle feathers? Now well, we've seen that happen a hundred times. Sure. And if it is something years. so moving, then it, it, it won't matter. And he will get nominated, and then we're going to see what happens. And that'll be fascinating to watch. Andrew, uh, does Will Smith get nominated for an Oscar in the next five years? Uh, it's amazing. Like, this movie has probably the worst timing ever because you would think something like this would seem like the one to get it. Um, but I was thinking about this when they gave the 10-year ban. I was like, how long ago was the pursuit of happiness? How was the long time that, uh, you know, he's gone between movies that people really kind of perked up as far as the award season goes? So I don't think this is going to be as big of an effect as we think. And obviously, he's in charge of that. He can choose the projects that maybe... He wants to do while he still can, you know, still get the bad boys juice or whatever else he's got yeah. going on. Do those type of projects until, you know, maybe he wants to return. But, yeah, I, I don't see it being a, a, as big a deal as it will be. The bright line in this, too, that's set up for him is that in 15, 20 years, if he's doing something and he wins another one, then. Can you imagine the ovation he's going to get? If I mean, because uh, he's already done a bit of an apology tour. That's probably going to keep happening. I mean, right. that's, he's probably going to be giving a bigger stage at some point to talk about this and be more empathetic and sympathetic and apologizing and all that. And so if he wins one in like two decades from now, I mean, the ovation he's going to get on the Oscar stage is probably going to blow everyone away. If the Oscars are still around in two decades, by the way. <laughs> the, the, the Tom Hanks of our generation, the, the nicest guy in Hollywood as Baloney and, and Feinberg were talking about the day after, it was such an out-of-character incident that we were shocked, and we were rooting for Will Smith heading in, 
And yeah, I think the redemption story is also a powerful narrative for Oscars and forget, you know, uh, that's what I'm rooting for at the end of the day. So I'm, I'm hoping you're right. I mean, I'm hoping he has another moment down the line. Oh, guys, uh, uh, because- breaking news, Emancipation, uh, they just said that they're going to release it in 2033. So we're all good, guys. <laughs> um, he's just going to redo it. He'll look so a little does, young, but I does think Fruqua, they're Does Fruqua get yeah. the interest on that, on the uh, $120 million for that? I think so. I think the clock, you know, the, the tab just keeps running. Put it in escrow. Yeah. All right. The greatest beer run ever. This is Green Book director Peter Farrelly. This is an upcoming war drama based on the book of the same name by Joanna Malloy. Uh, and John Chicky Donahue. We have Zach Efron, Russell Crowe, Bill Murray starring. And this could be a sneaky contender, uh, especially with how it, I'm, I'm reading the signs that it may be coming out late in the year. It's Fairley's first film since Green Book, a movie that we don't talk about in the Netflix dojo out of respect for Roma. Um, but <laughs> a, 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 it's a very intriguing premise. I mean, it's got, you know, a little bit of humor mixed with war drama. It seems like a great fit on paper for Fairley. Um, Efron, Crow, Murray, solid casting. But the premise sounds pretty strong. Uh, and, you know, I know a lot of people wanted to put Fairley in, in, in director jail for Green Book. Uh, even though it was well celebrated on on another side, but you know, hopefully, maybe this gets back to just kind of what he does. Just kind of similar to what I was just talking about with Will Smith too. Like, if this one rises to the level of maybe being Oscars relevant, are people going to be like, "Well, Fairly just won everything with Green Book a couple years ago." So, do we give? Do we spread the love? Do we give something else a chance? But yeah, I'm interested in the premise of this certainly and the cast. Zach Efron, here's your Oscar. Let's go. All right, um, just Raymond- go up there shirtless. Raymond and Ray, <laughs> Raymond and Ray, starring Ewan McGregor and Ethan Hawke, comedy drama about two half brothers reuniting at the funeral of their of their father, uh, whom they both had a bad relationship with. I'll, I'll rip off the rest of these guys quick. We have Spirited, which is Ryan Reynolds as Ebenezer Scrooge, with Will Ferrell and Octavia Spencer from Hot Tub Time Machine, Horrible Bosses, directors, Mr. Morris and Anders. We have Tetris. Which is starring Taron Egerton, the uh, about the development of the video game, directed by John Baird of Stephen of uh, Stan and Ollie. We have Ghosted, a romantic action adventure starring Chris Evans, Anna Diarmas, Adrian Brody, Mike Moe, Amy Sedaris, Tim Blake Nelson, Tate Donovan. Ghosted is directed by Bo Raps, Dexter Fletcher, and we have Napoleon. Which again, these are all undated. Maybe Napoleon is for next year, 2023, not 2022. Ridley Scott directs Napoleon starring Joaquin Phoenix, Vanessa Kirby, and Tahar Rahim. We're ready for some, uh, I don't know if we any of us wrote down, so I'm curious what you guys think. Grab, stab, nab, Mike, is it all Killers of the Flower Moon for you, or what do you got? For now, yeah, because, I mean, I would think Emancipation would be a player for uh, a stab, except for what we just talked about. I don't know that it's, uh, you know, it, it might get phased out because of the controversy attached to Will Smith. Who knows? But, yeah, I can't imagine Apple putting their eggs into any basket more so than killers of the flower moon. They're already so overly invested as it is. It's already got great odds. It's already got great expectations. Leonardo DiCaprio is completely unrecognizable. It's, it's something that I think is there's, it's going to be their big player, I would think. So I think it's going to be their main focus. My grab and stab as well. If I'm picking a nab, I'm probably saying the greatest beer run ever for, I don't know, something. 
Maybe like supporting actor Russell Crowe will be back. Bill Murray. Bill Murray, supporting actor. I don't know. <laughs> Let's Bill F. and Murray. Let's go buy the T-shirts, sell the T-shirts, put an Oscar on it. Uh, that's what I'm rooting for, I guess. Uh, do you, do you have any grab stab or nab for Apple, Andrew, or are you just uh, still bitter? Yeah, Killers of the Flower Moon is probably the the grab and stab kind of category, and but I would probably put Luck in for nab mm. because you know, like I said, all that pedigree. The only thing that makes me pause at all is that it's the uh, first big animated gig for the director Peggy Holmes. But other than that, writer creators of a lot of uh, big time IP from those other major animated studios and and one of the the biggest CCOs in the business. So I think that has a definite chance in that category. I, I know we talked about this when we were talking about the film's production, but if Tetris is focused on the legal battle behind it, there's a hell of a story there that I don't think a lot of people are familiar with. This sounds like it. I, listen, I know, I know, I know, but it's fascinating. <laughs> but it sounds like it's about the development and distribution of it. Show anyway, me the game. By the, uh, by the uh, <laughs> show me the game. But think about what the closing credits could look like, Mike. All those shapes. It's true. <laughs> yeah. I'll give you that. If it's better than Battleship, that's my <laughs> right, low like That's the bar. Line. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Rihanna's underrated. Though, Rihanna's got to be in Tetris, too. She needs a reclamation for a video game adaptation. All right. Last Absolutely. studio, guys. Last studio of this whole thing. Amazon and MGM uh, now combined. Women talking, Michael. It's expected in 2022. It's cer- currently sitting at 25 to 1 odds. Sarah Polly from Stories We Tell and Away From Her and Frances McDormand, maybe you've heard of her on this podcast before, a group of women in an isolated Mennonite religious colony in Bolivia as they struggle to reconcile their faith with a string of sexual assaults committed by the colony's men. Uh, Jesse Buckley, Rooney Mara, Claire Foy, and Ben Wishaw also in this one. Lots of buzz for Sarah Polly here and well-deserved because she hasn't worked that frequently but when she does it's awards worthy stories we tell was uh my favorite doc of that year uh, an incredible story I, I i recommend you guys go back and watch that one if, if, if any if anybody hasn't seen it yet stories we tell should have been nominated back when but that branch is wonky uh look her last feature film away from her got her a screenplay nod and uh, a lead actress nomination for julie christie back in 2006 so take this waltz has become a cult favorite sarah sarah polly's got chops she's got abilities this could be something now is this a strange uh setting a mennonite community religious colony that that throws people off i don't know uh what do you guys think i like her a lot too i liked her you know from her acting days too i mean like i i'm an old 90s kid so like Avonlea? go into uh dawn, oh, dawn i of thought you were gonna- <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay, or or Avonlea, but I I wish sure. I didn't say that. I wish I didn't admit the Disney Channel's Fifi period piece. See, I've been watching these things with my mom all the way back in the, since forever. So that's the reason for my baggage. I guess I'll just keep talking until somebody stops me here. I'm just gonna leave you hanging out to dry there. <laughs> just muttering. And if you're gonna do a movie with this kind of subject matter, you better get two girls with the dragon tattoo in the same movie. So that's pretty. There amazing. you go. <laughs> that's right. Uh, and we... I mean, Francis McDormand with this subject matter, by the way, is gonna crush it. <laughs> Stab I mean, though. Gonna this make is... it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. This. I mean, yeah. could you have a more relevant premise to today? Something that could be talked about just as i mean unfortunately but just as much today yeah for sure through a mennonite community in bolivia 
And yet, uh, hey, Sarah Polly, I believe in her. Till Michael, this is MGM, October 7th, directed by Chinonye Chukwu of Clemency. Excuse me, uh, pronunciations, we're bad at them. Uh, Haley Bennett, Whoopi Goldberg, Frankie Faison, the story of Emmett Lewis Till and the legacy of his mother who pursued justice for her lynched son. Jesus uh, Christ. Is MGM and Amazon just trying to, I mean, could you have heavier movies at the forefront? If anybody's going to take this, though, Chuku can take it because she handled clemency extremely well with Alfre Woodard. So another, I would say, stab or nab. I would say I'll, I'll put a nab on. That was my right nab. Now. Yeah. There you go. Good. Uh, otherwise, my policeman adapted fall 2022 uh, or, or it's an adapt adaptation. Excuse me. Uh, directed by Michael Grandage of uh, Genius. This is Emma Karin of The Crown and Harry Styles. The arrival of Patrick into Marion and Tom's home triggers the exploration of seismic events from 40 years previous. So that's my policeman. Amazon originals that they have in addition to that. The People We Hate at the Wedding, Allison Janney, Kristen Bell, that could be funny, directed by Claire Scanlon of The Office. Yeah, she did the she did Set It Up, which is my favorite Netflix rom-com, oh, so I, I'd like to see uh, what she could do next. Of course, I love Kimmy Schmidt, too, and she did the, the movie version that, like, kind of the reverend movie that they did or whatever yes, that was that funny. was in there too so yeah she, I, she's very funny she's very good at it so I, i'm very interested in this movie was set it up the one with the assistants yes yeah, yeah that was good that was good the i like that one. 35 year old assistants yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh how dare you emergency master lucy and I, I like set it up emergency master lucy and desi go back to our sundance episode we reviewed all of those. the girlfriend and set it up got such a raw deal in that movie by the way she was put, she was written as the bad guy nonsense nonsense hey, suze was her hey. name i remember this justice suze. for suze justice yeah, for zoe suze. deutsch right zoe uh, deutsch yeah hollywood royalty zoe deutsch yeah. No, Zoe Deutsch was the main and, character, right? Oh, well, you're talking about Lucy well, the, Liu? Was Lucy Liu? No, I'm Liu? talking about the guy had a girlfriend at the like uh, to start yeah, the movie, yeah. and uh. she was like positioned as to be the non-caring. He was ignoring her. They went to a pool party. He ran away from her. <laughs> it's like all the love Billy Crystal gets for when Harry met Sally. That fucking stalker. <laughs> <laughs> what else can we bury? I buried cats. <laughs> As a pet, even though <laughs> most people love cats, and I, I I respect cats. I like gifts of cats on Twitter. I don't like cats. Don't <laughs> like me. Maybe that's a thing. I'm a dog guy. All right, look at only loose ends. <laughs> the only loose ends is a mystery David Lynch movie that might be going to can. And Mike, we previewed this two years ago, three years ago, four years, at the beginning of time. We I think previewed- you're talking about the runtime. Never mind when we previewed it. But go ahead. Terrence Malick's The Way of the Wind, which will be several episodes of the life of Jesus Christ, led by Mark Rylance, Ben Kingsley, Joseph Fiennes, Matthias Schonar, Schonar, Schonarts. Yeah, and knowing Malick, they're going to be filmed in real time. So that'll be a September (laughs) through November movie. I am curious, Andrew, what what kind of piques your interest here from the uh, Amazon MGM slate? Uh, Like I said, the the people we hated at the wedding... Uh, that makes a lot of sense. I still have to watch Master. That was a, a movie that, that you know the, yeah. the reviews on that are, yeah. are baffling. I, I mentioned this to you guys uh, before the show where, for some reason, that movie, when I saw a decent amount of bad things at Sundance, 
This movie, for some reason, has a 4.9 on IMDb, where the one-star ratings are the most, the highest percentage of those uh, reviews from the public versus huh. the critical scores. And then the uh, audience score on Rotten Tomatoes is even 43%, as opposed to it's also certified fresh. It's like a 70-something percent on the critic side. So... It's really baffling. I haven't seen it. Uh, Mike, I believe you saw it at Sundance, and, and I don't know why the Venom has come out for this particular yeah. movie, especially when there's a lot to to hate at Sundance if you really want to get into it. I'm looking at you, Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was last episode. You should have been on that one, too. But, yeah, The Master's a perfectly uh, strong movie that uh, works as a drama, not necessarily as a horror film. That's where I was at with it. So I gave it like a C plus B minus and Regina Hall is terrific showing all the chops in the world. So it's like frustrating yeah. for me. Cause like the horror scenes are kind of lame, but the, the horror is in the story just like with the, the characters being racist and, and horrible to deal with. So that's right. where the movie kind of works. And you're just like, Jesus, Watching that movie, so I I don't understand. I, I can't I can't understand the piling on. It makes no sense. Real quick, what do you guys think of now? Because you know you got Amazon and MGM merging, so things might change. But the last couple of years for Amazon, like Prime, as like an Oscar or awardsy kind of thing, has kind of really died. Like they did really well a couple of years ago, and then they just kind of bowed out. You know what I My mean? My joke has been I'm not, I'm not convinced that Jeffrey Bezos knows he has a film department. I, like, I, <laughs> yeah. I think Amazon Prime, and I always forget it when I'm listing the more the more serious contenders for studios and streamers. I think Amazon Prime still is finding its footing as a movie studio because I think Amazon Prime is the shipping of Amazon. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. actual you're paying for the shipping. That's the deal. So the movie studio yeah. is just kind of propped up. Now you have MGM added to the fray. Well, now you have that whole library being added. Now you have these legacy properties that are coming in that are going to be part of it. So and I think we're going to see in the next probably half a decade or so i think amazon prime is really going to find its footing i have a lot of faith in it but yeah I, I as in terms of being an oscars podcast have i been kind of let down by the last couple of years of what amazon prime's offered i loved uh the big sick but that was back in what 2017 now at this point 2018 right and one night in miami was good yeah. like they they had and uh you know they let off with manchester by the sea sure. back way mm -hmm. way when but like yeah they're, they're very sporadic i don't get their strategy whether they care i know that they have probably a lord of the rings department i don't know if they right. know they well, that's have the a other thing department. is they're dumping that's hundreds it. of millions of dollars into these tv shows too that like yeah i don't know that film is necessarily their concern so maybe yeah. now with the mgm adaptation or the uh, acquisition maybe this is where we're going to find them being a bigger player i've liked a lot of their tv especially their animated stuff like invincible is so good yeah and the boys is Boy, great everybody yeah, loves the boys Big fan of the boys. Yeah. I can't watch the cartoon version. If anybody's no, watched I'm, Diabolical, yeah. let me know. Can't do it. It's like Baby's Day Out, the first episode, and I can't. <laughs> I just can't. But yeah. maybe it's great. I don't know. I, I couldn't get that far. But that is the year in preview, parts one, two, and three. Andrew Morgan, thank you, sir. Thank you for coming back on. Joke's on, Drew. Have you, buddy. Yeah, this, this worked yeah. out. So happy to be here, man. You guys are always so fun. I'm glad we could do this nice and loose. It's good. It's always like a, it's a jolt, right? You get to see like this huge, massive slate that you guys have gone through and, and get to pick your best. And, you know, yeah, it's awesome. I, it's always good looking at the future. That's some necessary. profound words <laughs> just for <laughs> life. 
It's a necessary yeah. series for us, though, Mike. We need this every year. And uh, well, glad. I certainly. I mean, you you get to these and you'll watch every single one of them. But I I, I mean, there's some <laughs> movies that I just if I don't have them previewed and I don't know that they're coming, I'm totally lost with them when they actually get here. So yeah, this is certainly something necessary, at least for the way uh, I digest the year. And I need to know what to hate, quite frankly. And I'm I'm glad. <laughs> We have this to help me do that. Unfounded yeah, a lot hate. There. Unfounded hate <laughs> has been the theme of this episode. Let's <laughs> carry it through to the end. But the words of wisdom, follow Andrew Morgan at Jokes on Drew at Nomcast Pod. Andrew, you got to get more people on your uh, on your Jokes on Drew Twitter. That You deserve many more follows, followers on that one. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. You know, hopefully uh, might be doing a little more stand up now that the world's kind of opening up. So, you know, cool. You never know. I'm trying to to be a more rounded human being. Ignore my uh, my wife and kids. You know, that's how it goes. Right. You know, just more things pile on more things. I was so positive before. I don't know why I just did that. But yeah, I go to <laughs> great lengths uh, to ignore people. Mike. So you're you're doing you're doing right. <laughs> that's good. Well, that's why he's hiding behind that massive beard. You guys are both trying to like. <laughs> of envelop yourself we've given, <laughs> up. We've, gi- we've given up two swamp things <laughs> yes uh guys i guess we can give our our socials here as well uh, once you're done checking out andrew over at the nomcast be sure if you would be so kind as to leave us a five-star review whether on apple Podcasts or on the spotify app and for any other comments questions or concerns about anything we do here in the mmo empire as always you can leave us those on our social medias we are mike mike and oscar on facebook and instagram at mm and oscar on twitter mike mike and oscar at gmail.com.com and on reddit we are available wherever you do here podcasts uh, andrew buddy thank you once again for joining us this was a ton of fun i'm glad we finally got through the intro to our year in preview series <laughs> now we can move on to step two uh which will be coming mike do you want to tell the people what's coming next from us yeah we're gonna have uh easter eggers chapter one so we're gonna change from one mega series to one mini series and we're gonna be bing bang boom with easter eggers where which will not have cover art apparently uh i can't we're do gonna it. go i can't no. justify it <laughs> We're going to go... The pastels, Mike. The right. pastels. <laughs> the double v Vitch to the Lighthouse, to the Northmen. Uh, we're hoping to have a guest on for at least one of those. And uh, we're going to come back to this year in preview series. It's not done. We're building this Do you this think up to- we can, at one year, lengthen out the year in preview series until Oscars Sunday? Like, that should be a goal of ours one year, right? The last year we do this podcast, when we know we're ending it... <laughs> Year in preview episode four, yeah, right? Volume four, episode sixteen, type thing. Yeah, yeah. If you guys see that, no, I want like a up. filibuster where you do one episode that goes on for like an entire day, where you're just trying to run out the clock. just a three month live stream type deal where we're just constantly <laughs> yes. talking. Hold up a newspaper. <laughs> Uh, All right, we getting out of here now? I can do sure. the, the, yeah, the no, sign we, off. We got stuff coming up. It's cool. Well, we, it's always good Listen to have to stuff coming up, guys. And things, stuff and things. <laughs> stuff and things. <laughs> when reality sucks, you can hopefully come get better prepared for the film year with us and our friends. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar, trying to make award season year round without the stuffiness. We will see you all very soon. See ya.